0: Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere. They go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. Now, here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of United Soccer coaches, Dean Linke.
1: I am Dean Linke. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, and it is presented by League Apps, another great show. We kick off with a deadline reminder that the United Soccer Coaches Foundation scholarship application will expire on September 23rd at midnight. So Sarah Kluba with United Soccer Coaches has pushed forward Jeff Vanell, who's the chair of the United Soccer Coaches Foundation, and Al Albert, who is the former chair and also the chair of the fundraising subcommittee of the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. Both of them honor award winners, both of them legends, both of them passionate about raising money for the United Soccer Coaches Foundation, so coaches that aren't as lucky are able to attend the convention and other educational courses. It is great. On Saturday night at Dorrance Field, a big game between number two UNC, a 22 time national champion, as Anson will remind me. The North Carolina women's soccer team will take on Steve Swanson and the Virginia Cavaliers. Steve Swanson will follow Elle and Jeff, and then Anson Dorrance will follow Steve. And we end by meeting the chief financial officer of United Soccer Coaches, a wonderful woman, Beth Sullivan. That's our show, and it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, League Apps.
0: We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love league apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run grow and win go to leagueapps.com to learn more league apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the united soccer coaches podcast welcome back to the united soccer coaches podcast presented by league apps once again here's the host of the show dean Linky.
1: I am Dean Linke. This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast. It is presented by League Apps, And as you just heard, it's only fitting that we kick off with a final reminder from the great United Soccer Coaches Foundation. As the deadline is looming, it's September 23rd at midnight to get in your applications to receive a United Soccer Coaches Foundation scholarship. It's our third visit on this topic in the last month and a half or so. And we're so pleased to be joined by two of the great leaders of the United Soccer Coaches Foundation, the current chair of the foundation committee, Jeff Vanell, and also Al Albert. He's the past chair and he's the current chair of the fundraising subcommittee. They both are honor award winners. They both have dedicated so much of their time and their heart and their spirit to United Soccer Coaches and to United Soccer Coaches Foundation. So with that, As an intro, we welcome Jeff. We welcome Al. Thanks for kicking off this week's podcast. Our pleasure.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Dean. It's great to be on. All right, Jeff, we'll start with
1: you. You're the current chair. The deadline is looming. You've got the floor. Tell people why they need to get it in and they need to get it in now.
3: Well, because the opportunity to either take a course, attend our convention, or have a course taught in your community is right there for you. Our members uh, can simply apply by getting online, go on the May page and check on scholarships and the applications are right there for you, ready to go. Al,
1: I remember when you stepped up and of course uh, you've reminded me that Bill Holloman started it. You heard the interview with Hank Steinbrecher; It was so great to have him talk about the importance of the foundation, but really, Al, your fingerprints have been all over this foundation. Fundraising has been a part of your life since you left a Hall of Fame career as a head coach. Why do you love doing this so much, Al?
2: Well, it's it's great to be able to give back to the game in this manner. You know, as I transitioned from coaching to fundraising, it became very clear that people get a lot of pleasure out of giving money, even though uh, it seems like uh, it would be a hard thing. It's been very easy uh, to get people to step up and do their own funds. There's a number of our members who have done that. A number of them have done campaigns to honor their college or high school coach. Uh, Sometimes, unfortunately, it's in memoriam, but uh, people love to give to good causes and they love to see the results. We've been increasing the number of scholarships we've given every year. And now we really have to get the word out to make sure that the number of qualified applicants keeps up with the number of scholarships.
1: Both of you set the table perfectly. And I want to make this point you know, in soccer, it's a lot about wins and losses, right? And every time you win, you're super excited. And I think about this with double win so you get the win of getting people to step up to give money to the united soccer coaches foundation and then you get a win because you're able to help someone in need that's the best double win i can think of right jeff
3: absolutely it's a great feeling to be able to give back to a game we all love especially to those who aren't quite as fortunate as we've been to have the experiences we've had and it's a great great thrill to listen to those who have been recipients of these awards and how thankful they are and how much it's positively impacted their careers. Can you add to that, Al, please?
2: Yeah, I mean, I can remember the first time, for instance, I came to the convention, and what a powerful experience it was. And there's a lot of uh, young people out there, particularly, who haven't been able to do that for whatever reason. And it's just the the impact of the education that they get from either a course that we provide as an individual or group, or coming to the convention is uh, immeasurable. I mean, it really... Impacts so many other people down the road every time we give that opportunity to somebody so it's uh, it's been it's been very gratifying to see it.
1: reminding everyone that September 23rd at midnight the application process for the United Soccer Coaches Foundation scholarship will expire that's why Al and Jeff are kicking off this show without getting too deep into the weeds one of the things I do like Al and Jeff and Al you can go first on this one is it was always important that the United Soccer Coaches Foundation was very much in step with the United Soccer Coaches as an association
2: yeah we're actually not a separate entity legally Uh, we're a committee of United Soccer Coaches a foundation committee and we function separately but we're all part of one legal entity and and I think that's very important that uh, you know we we serve the mission of the overall organization, totally. We are the philanthropic arm of the association. It's a place for people to you know, invest if they want to in helping coaches get better. I guess you would say uh, just one big happy family.
3: It's so gratifying. And the other great thing about all these opportunities is the the ability to network. And as we all know in coaching, networking is, is key. Uh, so to have the opportunities to go to a convention and be involved in either our reception or the other events going on is wonderful, as are the other two types of scholarships. And just a reminder to those out there who, uh, who are not going to be applying for scholarships or listening to the podcast that if you know people who are involved in the game in underrepresented populations or areas, that the host of course opportunity, which means we come to your community or club and offer a course, is not membership driven. The organization doesn't have to be members of the association to do that. So if you have those contacts, please send them along to us. We'd love to have their application. We'd love to consider them as one of our recipients this year. All right. We are going to remind people one more time, probably more than
1: one more time about the deadline. Looming, but before we do that, Al, I want to go back to you. You kind of touched on it already, but there's so many now named scholarships stepping forward again. That's a win, right? Somebody stepping forward saying, I want to put my name behind a scholarship opportunity, a foundation opportunity.
2: Yeah, uh, if you look at the uh, website and go to the foundation page, you'll see some of the names uh, on the funds. I mean, some of the earlier names, you know, people like Jerry Yagley and Henning Steinbrecher, obviously. Uh, more recently, we've had coaches like Ray Reed and Roy Gordon who have established their own funds uh, for various reasons. And then there's some names there that you wouldn't recognize, but they are people that meant a lot to people that played for them. And so their former players and families uh, put together uh, those funds. It's just a neat way to build the foundation is, is with those name funds. We also have corporate funds, and uh, our first corporate fund was a big sponsor of the association, Adidas. Uh, we had a group called Subair. A lot of people who are golfers know that name, but uh, they do sports fields now also drainage and uh, airification of sports field. And so, you know, we, ha- we have a number of ways that we can create these funds, but it, it really is a kind of a history of the association. If you look at those names on that, on those funds.
1: Now, Jeff, Because Al just said that so eloquently, I remember doing a podcast with you after the Ray Reed announcement, which really had a direct focus on getting more people of color involved with the association. Of course, Ray Reed's replacement is a black man as we try to get more black coaches in
3: coaching. So that's a direct way to say this works. The good news is that we're up to uh, 40 awards now from 30 scholarships which shows that even those initial scholarships, uh, for example, the Chisowitz Fund now is giving four awards this year and the Women's Committee under Charlotte Moran are giving two. Uh, so we're thrilled that people are still continuing to honor these coaches. Ray Reed, who I actually saw the other day, he's uh, lives in the same town I do actually in Connecticut. Uh, he's still thrilled that this is going to happen. He's uh, looking forward to seeing who the first recipient is going to be with the award, if you know Ray well. So it's been a great thrill and uh, we're just so excited that we can be able to do this for people who are in need.
1: I am with two incredibly smart people. I unfortunately bring the IQ score down by being with Al and Jeff, I apologize for that. But if there are people like me that bring the IQ score down or are wondering, boy, that seems like a long, tedious process to apply for the scholarship, can you rest their nerves? Al, we'll start with you and Jeff, you can fill in the blanks.
2: Jay Engel, another member of our committee, longtime past president, honor award uh, winner, uh, has done an amazing job with the awards process. Uh, If you know Jay, I mean, he is, uh, if nothing, very organized. And so we have continued to uh, make it easier for people to apply. You know, it, it really, I, I think, has become a, a pretty seamless process. And and the hard part is, you know, it's like grading papers. Now we got to go through these applicants and, and determine who the uh, lucky winners are going to be.
3: Dean, the uh, easiest way for someone to, to apply is simply go to the main page. And the up on the banner, there's a little button called scholarships. Click on that and you'll immediately see all the little boxes with all the awards applications and the wonderful guidebook that jay has created so he literally walks you right through the applications it's really easy to do
1: all right so we're down the stretch run again the application process for this year's united soccer coaches foundation scholarships will end on september 23rd at midnight and then as al just said the hard part as they will sift through but i think the key thing is you guys want a lot more to sift through in this final week right you want that to double triple if we can
2: Absolutely. If we can get two or three times the number of applicants, the scholarships, that's just motivation for us to, you know, create more funds, raise more money for the funds we have, and just uh, keep up with the demand.
1: All right. As we end, again, one more reminder, the application process for United Soccer Coaches Foundation scholarships September 23rd at midnight. From your words, Jeff Fennell and Al Albert, When you think about what the United Soccer Coaches Foundation has meant to you, and more importantly, meant to the people that have received these generous scholarships, can you put it into words? We'll start with you, Jeff, and then Al Albert will give you the last word, please.
3: It's an opportunity for us who have been lucky enough to be involved in the game at all sorts of levels to give back, to enable those who aren't quite as fortunate to have those experiences. And as a coach, we know that uh, it's a journey. It's not just a win or a loss. It's a journey to get better. And what better way to do it than through education? And that's exactly what the United Soccer Coaches is in business to do. And this is one way for the association to support those who are in need to, to get better. And as, as a coach and as a player, that's what it's all about.
2: Yeah, I agree with everything that Jeff said. And I think... For me, particularly, I think the, the uh, recent addition of convention scholarships is enormous because for me, the convention annually is just a chance to get better in every way education, but also just to be involved in the game in, in every way and see people like you, Dean, in the uh, convention hall.
1: Well, I appreciate that. You know, I mentioned wins. I feel like it's a win every time I get to spend time with the both of you and spend any time with United Soccer Coaches and with the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. You guys were the perfect guests to wrap it up and remind everybody about the deadline. Jeff now Al Albert, you guys are true legends. Thank you so much for kicking off this week's show. Thank you, D. My
2: pleasure. Thanks,
1: Dean. All right, we're just getting rolling on Saturday at 6 o'clock. It'll be Virginia and North Carolina women's soccer, a top five matchup on ACC Network Extra. And guess what? We have both coaches on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Coming up first, Steve Swanson, the top man for Virginia, followed by the legend that is Anson Dorrance, right here on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Performance analysis is now recognized as having a crucial role to play in any coaching program. United Soccer Coaches Performance Analysis Level 1 Special Topics Diploma will provide coaches with real-world examples of how analysis is being used to enhance the individual player development process and maximize team performance. Additionally, successful candidates will achieve Level 1 accreditation as an Applied Performance Analyst from the International Society of Performance Analysis of Sport. Register now by visiting the Master Course Schedule on unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. big game on Saturday night. Delighted to have the call ACC style as the ACC women's soccer season officially gets underway. I cannot wait as it'll be, I think, a top five matchup at the time of this recording. We have not seen the new rankings. They come out a little bit later, but it'll be pretty close to that as North Carolina will host the Virginia Cavaliers, always a great game, again, at 6 p.m. on ACC Network Extra, and we're joined now by the top man at Virginia, Steve Swanson, now in his 22nd season leading the Cavaliers, 32 seasons overall as a college coach. He's a longtime coach within the U.S. soccer system as well, and always great to talk to Steve Swanson. Swanee, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Thanks for having me, Dean. It's good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you. And this never gets old. The ACC season always an elite level conference nationwide, and of course, you start at Dorrance Field against the Tar Heels. That's never easy, Coach.
4: No, it's never easy. They've they've been sort of a standard bearer of our sport for uh, a long time, and and that's no different this year. I think they've always had exceptional teams, and you know we don't have a great record against them, but uh, we've made it more competitive. I think in the in the last little bit of our history and we're
1: uh we're looking forward to the game uh for sure you've already had four games this year as you come in with a seven win and just one tie record where you've scored five or more goals so clearly short of the last game against vcu you have shown the ability to put the ball in the back of the net talk about your offensive personality on this team
4: well, I think we're, I, I think as the game on Sunday showed, we're still, we're still learning to be as consistent as we need to be at the level that we need to be at. I think that we certainly have capable players, very good attackers, some very experienced players and players like uh Haley Hopkins and Alexis Banstra, Rebecca Jarrett, uh Leah Godfrey. So we're, we're, you know, we're, we're capable, uh, but we have to show it that we can do it game in and game out uh, against the top competition. And uh, I think Carolina Uh, Will be a really good test for us, obviously, and we're going to have to
1: convert our chances if we're going to have a chance to win the game, that's for sure. You guys continue to produce top-level players that go on to do great things in the professional ranks, and also with the national team. Yesterday, I emceed an event with the North Carolina Courage, where I saw Brittany Ratcliffe and Diana Ordonias. They now have shirts that are selling like hotcakes that say Diana Scordonia's. I mean, they are flying off with a beautiful picture of her. I don't know if you knew that or not. You might need yes. me to tell Diana you did know that that you want one. Yeah. Did they do that at Virginia too, or?
4: Last year when, when Dee was with us, she took advantage of the NIL. She was very astute about making opportunities for herself and, and people coming to her with opportunities. And I think she's always been a, a, a real creative, uh, industrious person with regard to, to things that, uh, to, to areas that she believes in things that she believes in causes she believes in, and certainly to uh, promoting the game. And uh, I think she's uh she's got a long-term future in marketing. I think Uh, she's, she's great, but she does it, you know, it's not about her. It's more about her causes and, and how she can
1: help promote the game and uh, promote some of the things she's passionate about as well. It doesn't hurt that she's probably going to win NWSL rookie of the year though, (laughs) as uh, the numbers back up the play, which then gives her a bigger platform, right coach? Yeah, no,
4: it doesn't. I, I think she's done extraordinarily well as has uh, Brittany, Brittany's had a little bit of injury struggles this year, but, uh, she's a, another special player. Um, we're proud of both of them. And, uh, you know, I think we we're proud of all our players, uh, throughout the NWSL that are doing, doing really good things. So they're all great people too. You know, sometimes you, you don't see that when you watch them play, you don't know what kind of people they are, but, uh, they're just awesome people
1: and uh, just great representatives of our program and the University of Virginia. So we're very proud of them. I feel like that goes back to what you've always said, as you've been on this podcast before, as you've created this family at Virginia, Virginia has also given you the freedom to be a mainstay coach with the U.S. national team program as well, which I think is really special. And I don't know, I may be wrong on this, but I feel like it might go back to your ties at Michigan State, where Joe Baum created this incredible family and then promoted Damon scene and stayed connected as well. Can you take it all the way back to Joe Baum, where you learned the importance of that family within your soccer community? Yeah, I
4: think I can. I, I think you know, you're you're always sort of as a coach, you're always sort of guided by the people that that came before you, uh, the experiences you've had as a player and as a coach. And I think. Joe was an integral part of my my playing career. I really didn't focus fully on soccer until I got to college. And I think Joe it was Joe's belief in me and uh, his um, uh, his ability to motivate and inspire uh, something more out of me than I thought was there. And so uh, he was a developer. Uh, I think we've tried to develop our players at Virginia as, as much as possible. Four years, as you well know, is a very... A short window that you 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 have and then they're gone you know so uh, we kind of looked at it as how can we develop our players as much as possible in the time that we have and so we've we've really tried to look at the things that we do in that time and and one of those is just squeezing all out, as much out of the relationships as you can you know the relationship part is a big part of why I got into coaching and uh, it's one of the things that that I love the most out of out of coaching. And developing players is the relationship that come from
1: that. Steve Swanson has coached 32 All-Americans and county, two national players of the year, 14 conference players of the year, and 112 all-conference selections of his former players at Dartmouth, Stanford, and Virginia. 37 have played professionally in the WSA, WPS, or NWSL. In 2002, Steve Swanson became the third coach to win at least 40 games with three different NCAA Division I women's soccer programs. I say all of that not to put the emphasis just on the fact that you've produced such great players, but the fact that you also spent some time at Dartmouth and Stanford. When you've been somewhere 22 years, people might forget that. What do you remember most about your time at those two schools, Dartmouth and Stanford?
4: I've just really been blessed to be at three places that, uh, you know, attract such high caliber, uh, women and, uh, you know, they've, they've all the players that have played for me over the years. I, I, I feel like I've gotten way more from them than, than I've given them. They may be become a better coach for sure, but uh, a much better teacher, a much better husband, a much better father uh, for having been around them. And so the relationships that I have, Uh, with with all the former players at Dartmouth at at Stanford and Virginia have been real special Um, I'll tell you a story I was uh, it was the just before the final uh, of the World Cup in 2015 I got a call from four of my players at Dartmouth from the very first year I coached and they were in Vancouver for the final and they wanted to get together and I said you know what I, I walk every morning before the game, I said I'll meet you at this at this place at 6 a.m. So they all showed up. We walked. We had a great visit, you know, before the final, and and we we obviously we won that. It was a great great game and everything. Just a, a tremendous climax to an unbelievable World Cup. But flash forward uh, four years in 2019, I'm in France. It's the day before the final against the Netherlands. <laughs> I get this call. Same four people. They're in Lyon. Hey, Steve, where are we going to meet today? I said six o'clock the hotel and we had another great walk and uh, we went on to win the game there. But, you know, I, I think about those things and the game obviously had so much meaning and the win was so special. But just being around those players who've touched my life and we've had such a good bond together was even as, as special as the game itself, so those are those are things in coaching that maybe you don't, I don't take for granted, but uh, you know I, I really value a lot. You know, there's so much more that goes with coaching than just the compet the competition and the the things that happen on the
1: field. I'm so glad you shared that story because I feel like chills are shooting up me like four or <laughs> five times because that just shows the connection you can make. And I think like you said, often you know, yeah, I want them to be great soccer players, but more importantly, you want them to be great people and how great is that to connect not once but twice—one in Canada and one over in France. That's pretty awesome, Coach.
4: Yeah, pretty amazing. But you know, I think that that it's just the the quality of of the, the people that I've come to know in in the sport. I would say that not just the players, but the the colleagues, the the coaches that uh, have come before us, the coaches that are here now, the young coaches coming up. You know, it, it's such a it's it's a different game than it was 30 years ago. That's for sure. So, much, so many more opportunities, so much growth, but also so many things that uh, we have to be, so many challenges that we have to be aware of and we have to manage. It's, it's, It always comes back to the players. It always comes back to the relationships. It always comes back to building character as well as developing the skills that hopefully players can go on and play at the next level with. But there's, there's so much more to it now. I'm just grateful to have have had the opportunity that I've had, you know, the, the sport was not where it was. As you well know, 40 years ago, I mean, we we didn't even think that soccer in this country would be where it, well, I think the diehards believe that, but you wouldn't have thought that college soccer uh, would be where it is, especially the program in the men's and women's realm, you know, it's just, it's just grown so much and it's, it's been great to see.
1: Yeah. Amen. Because that's another neat thing about Saturday's game is in the early days, Anson was, leading the U S national team. And then over the years, different college coaches, Erica Dombach comes to mind. You come to mind. Janet Rayfield comes to mind have also been integrated within the U S soccer system. I know you already have those two rings for the 15 and 19, but I think you might have more rings with the U S youth teams as well. Steve, how many rings have you won as a coach within the U S youth soccer system?
4: I've been a part of, of three world cup winning teams. Uh, so the, the under the under 20 2012 team, which there's a number of players that are still playing now on that team and that uh, were on that team. And a number that have, have uh, made the full team and gone on to win World Cups. Um, I was part of the 2015 uh, World Cup team and I was part of the 2019 uh, Women's World Cup team. So uh, great experiences, blessed to be a part of those. We've, we had amazing uh, chemistry with, with all those groups and an amazing talent to work with so but it's not easy to win world cups that's for sure so when you when you do you feel you feel very fortunate and uh uh, there's a lot a lot of a lot of great experiences a lot of great uh i think great things that i could take back to the players that
1: i coach so I'm, i'm i'm certainly grateful for those so fun going down memory road with Steve Swanson. He is on because in two days, Virginia will take on North Carolina, what we believe will be a top five matchup as the ACC women's soccer season is underway. That game is on six o'clock on ACC Network Extra. I'll have the call. As I mentioned, you're scoring buckets of goals. What's the best way to describe the personality of this Virginia team that we're going to see on Saturday night on ACC Network Extra?
4: Well, I think, I think, um, I think there's a there's a really good blend and a good balance uh, to our team between defense and attack and certainly transition. It's probably the deepest team I've I've had at at, at Virginia in terms of the overall talent uh, from top to bottom. But I still think we're we're still a a, a team that's very much uh, trying to get better every day. I think we're we're really focused on what the the things that we can control. We've got a good balance, not only in terms of the depth that we have, but also in terms of the youth and the experience that we have as well. Uh, we've got some good leadership on the team. We've been relying on that. Starting with the ACC, you know, we're in a little different stage of our season where we're going to get uh, we're going to get tested more and more, and we're we're looking forward to that. We want to see how best we can we can grow here from now until the end of the season. And I think uh, the real difference for us is b- will be how much we can grow from this time until the end of the season. I think there's some teams that you, you look at and say, okay, how much are they going to grow between now and the end of conference play? And I think we we have a lot to do and a lot left in us. And I think we've got a lot of opportunities to grow. So how can we do that? And uh, the best way to do that is play the competition that we're going to play in the ACC and then continue to focus on the things that we can control, which we're we're excited about doing that. This is a group that likes to, Likes to work hard. They they come to work every day. Come to practice every day. They're a lot of fun to be around, but they they certainly work hard and uh, they certainly are interested in becoming the best team that they can be. And I think that's uh, as a coach you can't ask for anything more than that. You 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 know you want to have a player driven team, and uh, that's that's a team that we
1: have this year for sure. So pleased to have one of the most successful coaches in women's college soccer, Steve Swanson on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast, two days before they'll take on North Carolina at Dorrance field, 6.00 PM on ACC network extra two more questions that are both about family. Since we started with family, we'll end with family. And the first question is how are Julie, your daughters, Alexis, Kelsey and your son, Sam doing? (laughs) Wow. That's great. Thanks for, thanks for asking about that, Dean. They're They're doing well. I have
4: uh, become a a grandfather about a year and a half ago. uh, My daughter, Alexis, had a baby girl named Letty. So she I I became very attached to her. And then my daughter moved to Italy. (laughs) So it's been harder (laughs) to come by. So but she just had another uh, baby boy about uh, three weeks ago. And so uh, so I'm anxious to see uh, the boss I call I call him. His name's Bruce. And then, um, my daughter Kelsey will have a baby in December and my son, Sam, his wife Ani will have a baby in December. So I'm uh, slowly getting a a soccer team of my
1: own here, Dean. And, uh, I'm loving it. It's been great. And what's your moniker? Do they go with pops grandpa? What do they go with?
4: Well, I, I, I laugh. My wife hates, Julie hates it. I, I've been, I I like to think of myself as grandpappy. Um, so I'm going to go by that now, but, uh but Julie's seen more of them than I have. She's been, uh, she was on the uh, the trail this summer. So she was with in Italy twice. Obviously she's been, she's been very busy. So I think uh, for her to to get away uh, from me in the summer, uh, cause I'm not around that much anyway, it was a good thing, but uh, we're, we're, we finally be, we were reunited a couple weeks ago after being apart for about six weeks. So it's good to be back together with her. She's been such a, big part of of any success I've had as a coach it's because of Julie that's for
1: sure that's awesome and uh, I apologize in advance if grandpappy makes the broadcast on Saturday (laughs) night that'll be hard (laughs) to get away from and last question this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast obviously you've dedicated your life to college soccer and also to the U.S. soccer women's national team programs but I know you also have time for United Soccer Coaches as well as you think about your development over the years how has that association helped you Steve?
4: Oh, it's been a tremendous resource for me as a coach. And even now, you know, I, I was fortunate to be a part of uh, a mentorship program with uh, a couple of young coaches coming out. And uh, they've, they've been just been an inspiration. Megan Gill and Sarah Lee have been great to work with this past year, um, always looking for ways to to give back. And it's really neat to see the caliber of coaches that are coming out now as a result of. The work that the United Soccer Coaches Association does. So I think it's a great resource. There's some people that get more involved than others. I think obviously with my work with U.S. soccer, I ha- haven't had as much time, but it's nice now to give back in, in terms of this mentorship program and try to find ways that I can I can continue to give back to an organization that gave me so
1: much th- during my career. I know we appreciate it. The grandpappy Steve Swanson will take on Anson Dorrance. That'll be Saturday night, 6 p.m. on ACC Network Extra. Steve, thanks for taking some time to be on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks for having me, Dean. It's good to see you again. Appreciate all you do for women's soccer. Thank you so much, Steve. It is indeed my honor, as I'm grateful for always having the best seat in the house. And of course, a lot of you know that uh, I spent time in Chicago and Chapel Hill, North Carolina. UNC women's soccer team led by a man who has to be the most successful college coach any sport any gender of all time Anson Dorrance a great member of United Soccer Coaches a Hall of Famer at so many levels too many Hall of Fames to count Anson Dorrance joins me on the bounce This is Dean Linke, longtime college soccer play-by-play man, reminding all college soccer coaches to amplify your upcoming season with the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program. Register now for the 2022-23 season and gain access to valuable resources you can use all season long. From educational programming to general liability insurance, the list of member benefits is endless. Make sure your program gets the recognition they deserve through All-America, Scholar All-America, Staff of the Year, and Team Awards available for College Services members. Don't miss out. Early bird registration ends October 1st, so sign up today by going to unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to the United soccer coaches podcast presented by league apps. As you already heard, I'm excited about Saturday night. I'll have the call at Dorrance field for the seven and one North Carolina Tar Heels taking on Steve Swanson and the Virginia Cavaliers. That game is at 6 p.m. Anson Dorrance now in his 44th season with the women 46 overall. He's walking up on 1,200 wins. He's got 21 national championships. He won the Werner Fricker Builders Award in 2016. He went to the National Soccer Hall of Fame in 2008. Of course, he was the head coach of the USA women from 86 to 94, winning the first ever World Cup in 91 over in China. And 21 of UNC's 47 national championships belong to Anson Dorrance and the women's soccer team. With that, we welcome in the aforementioned Anson Dorrance. Anson, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast.
5: Well, thank you, Dean. And what a glorious introduction. Uh, the 81 team is going to be pissed because you took their national championship off. So you'll be getting calls from them about the fact that uh, you said 21. So you eliminated the AIW national championship, and I'm going to give them your home phone number.
1: Well, make sure you also give the person who wrote your bio on GoHeels.com that same home number, okay? No, no, that? no. We're,
5: we're just, we're firing him. Uh, so no don't don't worry about that
1: 22 national championships So oh, I am clearly adjusted right there I think that's a good way to start as uh, Anson firing shots <laughs> across the bar which I don't know are we allowed to talk about that by the way Anson
5: yeah I have no issue talking about that I thought that was one of the most exciting moments in my broadcasting
1: career all right we'll break it down so people know what we're talking about
5: yeah so I'm on the air with Dean and of course uh I'm getting this huge salary as Dean's color commentator for the Carolina Courage. My salary was basically absolutely nothing. So I was relatively ob- oblivious in the booth, uh but enjoying, you know, Dean's company cuz not only is he is an outstanding play-by-play guy, but we just enjoy each other, you know, while we're doing this play-by-play in color. And I love the Courage, I love what Malik has done and obviously now Sean Nehas Taking over the team, uh, uh, you know, the younger brother of my uh, top assistant, Damon. So I'm over there uh, just enjoying life with uh, <laughs> my friend, Dean Linke. And of course, we've got a kid on almost every team in the league. So whenever we're about to play a team, the is about to play a team, I'll call up my kids on that team and find out about their team. So on this particular moment, I can't remember the team we were playing, but uh, uh, Amber Brooks was the player I called. So uh, who were they playing, Houston? Yeah. OK, so Amber's playing for Houston. And so I call up Amber and I said, well, you know, tell me about your team. And she, she's telling me about, you know, their stars. And and then she's telling me about this, you know, this this gripe she has that they had a, a Brazilian right back that basically I think was their leading scorer. Shockingly, the right back for this Houston team at the time was the leading scorer. And Amber was just irritated. This kid was going forward all the time and then would never come back. So basically she'd go forward and then just let Amber and the other two uh, defenders deal with the other team's attack. And invariably, I think this girl was a right back. The spot she would leave completely open for the other team to counterattack through was the right side. So I'm thinking, okay, so that's sort of, you know, that, you know, stuck a little bit in my mind. And then sure enough, I'm watching the game with, with Dean Linky, And uh, all of a sudden, yep. The Brazilian right back goes forward. There is an attacking transition down her side. And she's just meandering back. Is she coming back on a full sprint to bail Amber Brooks out and the goalkeeper and the rest of the defense? Heck no. She's sort of sauntering back, you know, maybe uh, with some sort of somber rhythm to slowly, you know, get back into the defense. And so, of course, this is a, a color commentator's dream because you're pointing out something that the other team attacked right through this. And since, you know, Amber had already set me up for the fact this girl rarely came back I was I was all excited and so basically on the air um I said something in effect of this is unbelievable you know I said you know my gosh if that was you know one of my you know kids uh, that hadn't you know come all the way back you know I would have pulled a gun out and shot her or something to that effect so basically you know a very volatile sort of aggressive you know a color commentating statement and then all of a sudden in my ear I can hear my director saying Anson We're going to have to walk that back at halftime. And sure enough, uh, I'm walking it back. And Dean is now sweating bullets. Because, of (laughs) course, I'm being paid absolutely nothing for this. This is Dean's life. So what he's thinking is right after they fire me for this absolutely senseless, you know, comment. That uh, not only uh, am I going to get fired, but Dean is now really afraid that he's going to get fired as well. So obviously, I think we walked it back very gracefully at the half, didn't we, Dean?
1: We did. I kind of, I kind of just basically got on there and said, "Answer." I think you have something to say, and then I just hid in the corner and kind of bobbed back and forth a little bit.
5: <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. And then what was great is, of course, all the trolls came out, and I was being hammered on social media. And then what was great is the anti-trolls came up and started burying the trolls. So now there was this great social media war with the people that thought the comment was hilarious and knew I was joking. I mean, how frigging sensitive do you have to be to think that, you know, you know, I would actually pull a gun out and shoot at anyone during a soccer game. I mean, so basically the anti-trolls were burying the trolls on social media uh, and uh, some of the comments I got from my coaching colleagues, who obviously you know knew I was joking, thought the comment was you know appropriately hilarious. Uh, so uh, uh, I survived. Dean survived. You still have that job, don't you, Dean? <laughs>
1: I'm hanging in there. Yeah, I got. Yeah, that. you're hanging in there.
5: So you know yeah. what? Uh, uh, no harm, no foul. And you know, yes, a world becoming so amazingly sensitive. I mean, political correctness has taken over the landscape. You can't even joke about anything anymore for fear of offending. You know, not just someone but everyone so gosh it's uh you know you almost can't joke about anything anymore at least not joke in that area uh, you gotta joke the way uh, uh that uh, polka player was joking on g- uh, good morning vietnam remember when he comes on the air yeah replacing uh our wonderful comedian and all of a sudden his jokes are so dry and just boring and when our <laughs> guy comes back on the air you know Good Morning Vietnam, his stuff was politically incorrect, but absolutely hilarious. Uh, so anyway, so f- uh, for me, I sort of, uh, I, I envisioned myself as uh, uh, Kronauer, the, the famous you know, uh, commentator during the Vietnam War that entertained the troops. Uh, and he wasn't exactly politically correct either.
1: Well, a fun way to kick it off and obviously I'm looking forward to seeing your team live and in person off to another great start as you always are seven and one the only blemish on the season against a very good UCLA team and a fantastic game Virginia is always good Steve Swanson like you's had an incredible career so it's always nice. Anson, you know, look, UCLA has got the young coach and Marguerite Awazasa, who we've had on this program. But then when you get to go against Steve Swanson, I mean, he probably played a hundred games against Steve Swanson. That's got to be nice for you as well.
5: Well, absolutely. But just to give credit to Marguerite and her wonderful UCLA team, holy cow, I thought we played very well in that game. And their two counterattacks to score their goals were absolutely brilliant. I mean, those strikers that she's got just finished beautifully and, uh, Uh, basically beat uh, a very good UNC team on our home field after beating Duke. So uh, a full credit to uh, UCLA, their staff, their kids, uh, uh, and uh, just the excellent game. And then, yeah, I mean, Steve has built a powerhouse at Virginia. It's a game that's always going to challenge us. Uh, We're excited about uh, Saturday. Uh, We're excited about the ACC schedule now. Because even though we played Duke last week, it was a non-conference Duke game. And obviously, we want to play Duke as often as we can, because not only are they an incredibly great team for us to play, but they're a high RPI game that doesn't cost us any money. We jump in a van and head over there, and all of a sudden, the crowd there was spectacular. Uh, The atmosphere was great. And so uh, we want those games. I'm trying to get uh, uh, Tim Santoro at NC State to do the same thing. I would love to play Duke and uh, uh, NC State every single year at home. And uh, whatever the, uh, the non-conference game is, make sure that's scheduled. So if we are supposed to play NC State at UNC, like we do this year, I will willingly go to NC State so that next year, if it's flipped and we have to go to NC State, they're coming here to play us. I think all of us in the collegiate game have a moral imperative to figure out ways to sell out our stadiums. We should be a part of the movement to help equal pay. And equal pay, I think, will be absolutely equal if we start to replicate the crowds that are happening in the men's game. And one of the things I've loved about this last year is, oh my gosh, at Barca, two games in a row, over 91,000 in the women's side in the Champions League. And then, of course, the Euros. Are you kidding me? Selling out Wembley and all these other stadiums across England. I mean, the women's game, our time has come. But I think all of us have to participate in figuring out ways to have maximum crowds. And I think the way that uh, we can do it here is to make sure that Duke and NC State and UNC have a home game against those two wonderfully bitter in a positive way rivals. So the crowds show up and we can demonstrate that uh, we can be a part of the equal pay movement. And by the way, uh, I've put uh, my money uh, where my mouth is because uh, I promoted uh, Chris Dukar from uh, training my goalkeepers to the GM position. And a part of his main responsibility as my GM is to sell out the stadium. So we're doing everything we can to attract maximum crowds. And I think that's the direction all of us should try to go uh, uh, to in the uh, collegiate game. And there are coaches and programs out there that do a fabulous job. I mean, basically Chris's mission is to be number one in home attendance. And we have uh, three real competitors out there. BYU does an absolutely brilliant job, as does Texas A&M, as does the University of South Carolina. And we tip our hats to those three programs that we're fighting to be number one in home attendance. But I would love for all of the collegiate programs across the country to take this very seriously so we can be a part of the, uh, I guess, surge in the women's game, but also be a part of uh, establishing real equal pay for our women.
1: I love that comment because I will tell you, I don't know if you know this or not, but I opened my college broadcast season this year in West Lafayette. Purdue played Southern Cal. They also have a new coach in Southern Cal and Purdue's previously attendance record was around 2000. They had almost 4,000 people there. They were eight, nine rows deep in the Midwest supporting women's soccer. I mean, there is It's calling right now as women's soccer is, I mean, you talk about tipping points, they're way over the tipping point right now.
5: Well, I love that. So, you know, um, a lot of my colleagues are doing a great job. Uh, They are taking this seriously. I think all of us should. And even though obviously we're all in terror of, you know, are the successes of our own teams on the field with our win loss and uh, everything we're doing in training. So almost like the last thing on our minds is to make sure that uh, we have a large crowd, but, Uh, For those that uh, have uh, sufficient resources and can sort of shift people over to make sure this is a priority, I know every college kid would love to play in front of a huge home crowd. So I think uh, we can serve our kids well, serve our game well, uh, but also invest some resources on this side of the house and be a part of this wonderful revolution that's happening right now.
1: I can't wait for Saturday night because I'm sure there'll be another great crowd. I'm sure Chris Dukar is doing his work. You know, I started to already look at your team. Avery Patterson with six goals. Emily Murphy with three goals. Tori Della Peruto, two goals. Ali Centnor, who's just world-class. And Tori Hansen from that center back position, two goals. So that's off to a rocket start. You know, one thing I do feel bad about is, Anson, once again, your team has been rocked by major injuries. It's uh, part of the game, I guess.
5: Yeah, it's just so disappointing because it's interesting. This is the deepest team we have ever had, and yet the injuries have occurred in the only spot on the field where we don't have any depth. I mean, so just it's like, you know, there is just no justice. There's no fairness when all of a sudden in the one area where you don't have a lot of depth, you have two season-ending injuries. And obviously to lose a player the caliber of Macy Bell, I mean, that's irreplaceable. You can't replace uh, Macy with anyone off your roster. In fact, you can't even replace her with anyone off anyone else's roster. I mean, that's the level she plays at. So that was a huge loss. And then I give full credit to Kaylee Hare, who came in, this freshman, and just jumped into the breach and was doing a great job for us. And then she got uh, hurt uh, against UCLA. And it's not like these injuries are, you know, people whacking us or something. It's basically just, you know, uh, collisions and no intentional, you know, I want to injure this player sort of thing. Uh, and yet now we're down to uh, uh, center backs and we've had to make adjustments. And so, yeah, we're just a little bit snake bit. Uh, and I'm hoping in you know, one of these days uh, we'll have a season where all 11 starters are healthy from beginning to end because we have not had that season in a long time.
1: No, you haven't. I mean, every single year, I mean, losing Setnor last year, who probably would have scored 20 goals as a rookie. Good to see her back on there. I can't wait to see her on the field on Saturday as you face Virginia. You know, uh, every time I call for United Soccer Coaches, you're always ready. Anson, we talk about it every single time, but I didn't give you a whole lot of notice on this one. But the minute I said United Soccer Coaches, you said you were in. Why is that?
5: Well, I love the uh, the coaches association. I mean, I've been a, a member of a lot of soccer groups in my life, uh, but the one that has served me the best and uh, supported the game most consistently is this one. I love what they do. Uh, a lot of my education has occurred at the convention every year with the brilliant speakers they bring in and the wonderful clinicians. And so for me, that's just a, a cornerstone in my soccer education. So I love everything about the group. The leaders are wonderfully selfless. These aren't power grabs, of, you know, how I can, you know, climb the FIFA ladder or stay in power, you know, with U.S. soccer. No, uh, these are people whose only interest is supporting the coaches and the game itself. And those are the priorities of these people. I love the the way you ascend to the throne in, you know, the United soccer coaches because you've got a laborious, you know, three or four year uh, commitment to serving as a servant leader in the organization, doing you know, almost every job in the organization before you finally become its president. And so for me, uh, these are incredibly selfless people uh, that serve the game and serve all of us in the game. And so anytime I get a call from anyone involved with United Soccer Coaches, I'm going to respond to the call because so much of my education has come through these uh, wonderful people in the organization itself. And so I'm going to pay it forward in that fashion. So uh, Dean, there's never an issue, uh, even last minute. And also, I love chatting with you, but also, you know, every skeleton in my closet. And so you can ask me to confess, you know, to (laughs) the day I was trolled for a comment I made on the air. So thank you for reopening that wound for me. Um, So I knew you had enough of this stuff available to make sure, you know, people would be entertained with, you know, one of my foibles. Uh, So thank you for that as well.
1: I also like laughing about the fact that I'll hold it up again. Nobody can see this, but I'm holding the uh, 91 team, which I was actually responsible for this photo, which Anson doesn't remember. And my first <laughs> camp with U.S. soccer was in 89 out in Santa Barbara as he was putting the team together. And I sat in the uh, meetings as well. And Anson doesn't remember that either. But Anson, you opened my door to soccer and it's changed my life. I have, you know, met my 28-year wife as well through us soccer so we can always laugh about that as well because we both ended up living in chapel hill and at least you do remember that i think right you got that one down yeah
5: yeah yeah, yeah i know you live in chapel hill thanks for showing that wonderful poster because that's when i had hair uh, i love looking at the pictures of when i had hair so thank you for you know bringing that up uh, because obviously right now everyone thinks i'm just an old man No, oh, i yes once yeah i was uh, young once too. Uh, so that that is a really wonderful memory. So thanks for you know, reminding me. But yeah, I didn't know who the heck you were. Who the heck, who, who were you? I mean, yeah, I thought you were someone that was just bringing me a Diet Coke or something. But anyway, so yes. Um, but you have ascended to a completely different level. You've moved to paradise. And by the way, great choice. Moving to Chapel Hill, absolutely great choice. Uh, I think you've been sending your children to be educated here. Is that the I case? Am.
1: Yeah, yes. my, my youngest is a senior and he is the uh, essentially the captain of the practice squad that trains with Courtney Banghart's UNC women's basketball team, and he's on the UNC club team, and he's getting a degree and wants to go to law school at UNC as well. So, I mean, you talk about a changed man. He's so happy to be a Tar Heel.
5: Well, there you go, Dean. So, uh, you know, I know you're, uh, you love it here because, uh, like I do, I just love living in this incredible uh, place in the face of the earth. And so, yeah, I know some things about you now. So, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember if you from back then, but uh, we had business to attend to. We had to win a world championship and I was a little busy back then. So uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Fond memories, Dean. Fond memories.
1: Speaking of that, as we end our business here, I do want to talk about some other business. I do this podcast every week going on five years now never miss a week even on thanksgiving and christmas but one of the great experiences was to be involved with you and hassan pinto on the vision of a champion podcast and like this podcast i feel like everywhere i go i do have people coming up to me and saying man that vision of a champion podcast is awesome i mean can you just remind everybody how great that was and the guests and i mean it's still available you can check it out by, you know, just Googling Vision of a Champion podcast. But man, we had some good big-time guests on that podcast, Anson.
5: We did. And Dean, I absolutely loved it. And obviously, one reason I loved it is it was during the pandemic. So all of us were, you know, hiding at home, so afraid of, you know, what COVID was going to do to all of us. And I was among them. So I moved home, uh, didn't come into work. I had two kids uh, living in New York. And of course, initially during when COVID hit, New York was just overwhelmed. And I had two kids living in Brooklyn. My eldest daughter, who's an elite uh, rhythm tap dancer, has her own dance company, Dorrance Dance. My youngest uh, is a boy. My son, Donovan, was also up there. Uh, Donovan was uh, uh, Michelle's musical director. And we were, my wife and I were just so nervous. You know, no one back then knew what was going to happen with uh, COVID, no one knew how to really protect themselves. And so, Uh, We begged our kids to move home. And so Michelle and Donovan moved home. And it was just like, it was wonderful. Because, you know, back in the day, uh, I didn't really have time to raise my kids. Melissa did all the heavy lifting. And there was a stretch when I was not just the men's coach and the women's coach, but I was also the U.S. women's national coach for eight years. So that was eight years of, you know, the men, the women, and the national team. And it was just, I didn't have a weekend off, I didn't have a day off. And, uh, I couldn't go to all of my sons and daughters' soccer games or anything else. And and all of a sudden, my daughter and a son come home. And now my daughter is basically about to hit 40. My son is about to hit 30. And all of a sudden, we are just playing the Olympics every day. We played 2v2 basketball. uh, We played 2v2 pickleball. We played 2v2 soccer. And we were just having the time of our lives. It was almost like, you know... Uh, God was giving me a chance to spend time with my children because I was at home now and we just loved being back together as a family. And so uh, for me, just having them back home was just unbelievable for me, but uh, the time was changing. And so uh, what was really interesting for me is reconstructing uh, a life through the pandemic and afterwards. And then of course, now uh, the kids are finally free in college. And they love their freedom because, oh, my gosh, all the restrictions we had before and the threat of COVID and the fact that we were testing on a regular basis. And it was just a very difficult time for all of us in the collegiate game. And now uh, we're back to uh, more or less normal. Not that the COVID's not out there. Of course, it is. uh, But we figured out a way to manage it with the vaccines and everything else and with, uh, uh, I guess, smarter protocols. uh, uh, But anyway, uh, I'm excited about uh, the college game is back and uh, where we're going, uh, and uh, Dean, it's just an absolute uh, thrill to be chatting with you in a semi-normal uh, soccer season, so I've really appreciated our conversation. By the way, I know you asked a question back there somewhere, and I can't Wizarding even remember. Champion. What... <laughs> oh, yes, yes, so, so, so thank you for that, so exactly, so Haas calls up and says, "Anson, let's do this thing together, so we took that book. It's a, a book I wrote for uh, youth uh, soccer players, And we took the 20 chapters in that book and you were so well-prepared. And by the way, I think we paid you the same way I was paid when I was your (laughs) uh, color commentator. So I hope you didn't take that check and spend it all in one place uh, because, oh my gosh, it would have overwhelmed whatever business you had taken that check to. But anyway, so you were very gracious to do it, you know, out of the kindness of your heart and you are the consummate professional. You would actually read the chapter and then the guests we brought on were unbelievable. Yeah, Tobin Heath, you know Lucy Bronze, uh, Serena Vegman, uh, Crystal Dunn, Cindy Parlow, uh, Mia Hamm, Christine Lilly, Tisha Venturini. I could go on and Carly on. Carly Lloyd, Carly Lloyd. Yeah, we've just you know brought in everyone. Michelle Akers. I mean, there wasn't anyone we didn't interview. And we even brought in a, a top reserve. I had uh, Raquel Carvelson that was still pissed that I didn't start her. I could, I could feel that on the podcast. I said, oh my gosh, you know, how long is she gonna remember, you know, that uh, she felt she should have started? I'm thinking, I think we won four straight national championships with her coming off the bench. And I think she was still a little irritated that I hadn't started her. I was thinking, oh my gosh. I mean, so I guess uh, the memories of these girls uh, about, you know, how many minutes you, you give them are still, a, you know, an open wound. So for me, it was spectacular. And then the other thing, and I think I mentioned this to you, you know, obviously we run soccer camps and of course during the COVID, uh, we didn't have residential camps. So what we were doing is the parents were bringing their kids into camp. Then I would talk to the parents and of course, Damon Nahas, my brilliant uh, assistant would run the camp. We would hire our players to also coach in the camp. So what am I doing? I'm chatting with the parents. The parents of every kid in camp is there so rather than have them just watch uh, our sessions i am actually doing a QA with them and the q a's are hilarious because they're asking me you know what can i do to take my kid to the promised land so i'm giving them advice on things they can do with their kids and one of the things i recommended was listen to vision of a champion podcast you're going to hear these uh, brilliant players basically taking a chapter out of this book i wrote for youth players for their player development but also you know yep dean Linky is you know running these things he's doing it like a pro and all of a sudden the year after we started talking about the vision of a champion podcast these campers are coming back and what are the parents doing they're following my advice they're grabbing the podcast they're listening to it going to practice they're listening to it coming back from practice. They're listening to it as the family in the minivan driving back to the games over the weekends. And all of a sudden, these kids are coming back and they are absolute ass kickers in camp. And I and I'm interviewing saying, What has happened? I saw you guys last year. You guys are at a completely different level. And they say, Well, you know, and I'm talking to the parents because I'm talking about their kids, because I'm looking at their kids saying, you know, your kid was not this good last year. And they said, well, you know what we're doing? We're listening to your podcast and we're being inspired by the Mia Hams and Christine Lillies and Crystal Dunn's and Tobin Heath's and Luke's, Lucy Bronze and Serena Vegmans." And so this is it. I mean, these kids are engaged and they're the inspiration from these amazing women. Uh, but also, honestly, some of the information we're trying to share in the book uh, is seeping into the water in a very positive way. So I just want to publicly, Thank you uh, and Haas uh, for initiating this Uh, and Haas, of course, is Brianna Pinto's uh, uh, dad who got this thing going for me. And it was something for me to do during uh, the pandemic when I wasn't playing 2v2 basketball, 2v2 pickleball and 2v2 soccer with the kids I had never raised. So, uh, uh, Dean, it was a it was a wonderful time. And uh, uh, thank you for your generosity.
1: Yeah, well, I wasn't that generous, by the way, and I know I look really dumb, but I did get paid for that, by the way, Anson, so. Uh... All right, well, then, good enough.
5: Uh, I didn't know uh, we were even paying you, because uh, I don't think,
1: I didn't pay you, did I? Was it Haas? No, no Haas took care of me, so it was all good. All right, and, uh... well, that, that's good, okay.
5: Well, thank <laughs> you for coming clean. Uh, you're You're obviously an honorable man, so thank you, Dean.
1: Uh, This was awesome. Anson Dorrance, uh, uncensored, which is the only way to go, right, Anson? Good luck on Saturday. I'll be talking to you later in the week, uh, I guess tomorrow, actually, as we get ready for the game. And I'll be bringing you a Wendy's. uh, Don't tell your wife, but I'll be bringing Wendy's by uh, as we get ready for Saturday's game. Anson, always a pleasure. Thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. And I'll see you Saturday night at Dorrance Field. I don't know if you heard of that Dorrance guy, but I'll see you at Dorrance Field on Saturday night.
5: Well, then here's a tip for your future podcast when you're doing the United Soccer Coaches. Don't wear a lacrosse hat. (laughs) Just a tip. Just a subtle little tip, you know, just for you in case you you just want some advice from me. So would you find a frigging soccer hat to wear during a United Soccer Coaches podcast, Dean
1: Linky? I will do it just for you, Anson. Lesson learned. Thank you so much. I'm just glad you know who I am. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. We'll see you Saturday night against Virginia. My pleasure. Thank you, my friend. Glad to call him a friend as well. And speaking of friends, we meet another great member of the National Staff Office for United Soccer Coaches, their Chief Financial Officer, Beth Sullivan, after these messages.
0: Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love. Delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform from robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations. League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to LeagueApps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast.
1: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. This part of the show is becoming my favorite part of the show where we get to know another outstanding member of the National Staff Office for United Soccer Coaches out in Kansas City. It's no different today. One of my favorite people. She always brings a smile to my face and oftentimes a chuckle, Beth Sullivan, the Chief Financial Officer for United Soccer Coaches. Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast.
6: Thank you very much, nice to be here.
1: So Beth, you cannot hide behind the spreadsheets and in your office doing all the great work you do. Now we're going to get you out front and get to know you a little bit better. So first off, let's get to know you with how long you've been at United Soccer Coaches. How long have you been with the association?
6: Just right now, a little over four and a half years. It'll be five years in December.
1: Okay. And when you started, what was your role and when did you become the CFO? Well,
6: I had left a CFO job, took a six month time off to kind of clear my head from 23 years of my previous job. And I actually came in low in the accounting office. Um, A little bit of attrition and motivation to start out on their own. I kind of moved up the ranks within a couple of years and now I'm here and I'm happy to be here. This is such a fun place to be.
1: Well, I know everybody at the association loves you as well. Let's get to know you. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school to learn about the importance of finances? Uh, give us some background on your story, Beth, please.
6: Let's see. I grew up in Duluth, Minnesota, deep in the woods in a country home. Grew up hunting and fishing and digging the snow out, for the house out from snow drifts in the winter to sledding off the roof like we weren't supposed to do. Pretty good northern roots that I have. Um, I've been down in Kansas City since, I don't know, I was about 8, 9, 10 years old in that area. Uh, we were in Kansas for just a little bit, got wiped out by a tornado and ended up in Missouri and I've been here ever since. I graduated from Oak Park High School in 1985, showing my age and then I just kind of went straight into accounting. I didn't go back and get um, any kind of degree until I went back to school when my son was about 12 years old we were a traveling baseball family so it got in the way a lot
1: <laughs> yeah but nothing more important than your kids and for me the uh, highlight is watching my kids play sports so that's okay Beth that's part of uh, what you do as parents right
6: Oh yeah and we devoted hundred percent no vacations I mean baseball fields they were they were my diamonds when I when he was growing up. <laughs> he went into minor league umpiring has since resorted back to landscaping like so many umpires do
1: <laughs> all right so baseball was a big part of your life then sounds like uh, with your son growing up
6: yeah it was it wasn't soccer it was baseball so uh, um my husband and i coached teams we did go to the world series and the nationals it was interesting it was fun it was a lot of fun there was a lot of different people you meet out on the road and i'm sure everybody in the soccer field has the same thing, they meet so many people. And this place just kinda of ties it all together for me because I get to see everybody once a year at convention and I talk to so many every day on the phone.
1: Take me back to your first convention because even for me, somebody who you know actually found his way through soccer, started in college with US soccer, I kinda of got lucky, was able to walk in on the penthouse, but even though I traveled the world and did the Olympics and the World Cup, my first convention blew my mind. Can, and I'm a soccer guy. Can you talk about what the convention was like for you the first time through?
6: Oh gosh, we are returning back to my first um, convention city, which is Philadelphia. I had done really big fundraisers with big names. I mean, you're talking like, you know, Jay Leno comedy stuff, you know, to raise money for organizations. And it was a lot of fun. And and I was hired in December and within 30 days I was in Philadelphia And I remember just looking around and seeing everybody that was there. It was amazing. And it went on for a week. It was so much fun. And I think by the end of the fifth day, I was dead. My feet were dead. My voice was croaking. I had so much fun and I was ready to do it again. As soon as we touched foot back in Kansas City, it was like, let's do it again next year. And they said, we will be, trust us. Yeah. Well, I like how you said
1: that because I feel like based on your story, you know, 23 years, you took a little break and now you found this job. You came in kind of on the lower end of accounting and now you're CFO and it felt like maybe the right time for you. And now I feel like you're energized
6: and Maybe you can do
1: this for a long, long time. You love it that much.
6: I do love it that much. There's a lot of rules and, you know, I can be kind of bossy and I like to keep everyone in line, but yeah, it's the numbers don't lie and they're there. And every time I spend a dollar, every time I bring a dollar in, it's for the members. It's not mine. It's not anybody's, it's the members. And I just love the fact that everything that we do, we invest back into the membership. And I think that's very important.
1: One of the things that uh, has always impressed me about United Soccer Coaches, and if you listen to the podcast, we spend a lot of time advocating for diversity, which is what United Soccer Coaches does. They advocate for diversity, for inclusion. And Jeff Van Dusen, the new CEO, he was really excited about the fact that his new COO and his new CFO were both women. Exciting time, I think, for women right now. And now you have this empowerment How does it make you feel to maybe be a role model for young women coming up through the association?
6: Oh, gosh, that's a loaded question. Yeah, I think it it would be all right. I don't mind being the role model for a younger generation coming up. I definitely encourage everybody. It's always do what you love. And sometimes it's just a matter of finding that new something sometimes because you've kind of plateaued and something that you love, there's always something else down the road. And I enjoy that. I think our diversity is a little heavier in the national office now than it was even when I started. And so I really appreciate that. I love working with everybody. I love seeing everybody. Um, I do think that As jobs open here, um, we've done a very good job of making sure that people are coming in, even with their diverse backgrounds and their knowledge of what they're bringing to the national office has helped a lot.
1: Getting to know Beth Sullivan, the Chief Financial Officer for United Soccer Coaches, in what is becoming a weekly interview, as we try to meet everybody that works for the National Staff Office at United Soccer Coaches, very much like we like to spend time with all 30 members of the 30 under 30 program. And Beth, is there one particular highlight that has stood out in your four plus years at United Soccer Coaches as like a moment? Like, wow, this is really cool what I get to do each and every day.
6: And again, it's back to convention. It is the most invigorating and the most huge, ginormous, fun time. And there's so much education involved. Um, and there, it's just a really good time for everyone to be. And that was actually my first experience here. And it still remains my favorite.
1: One of the things I, uh, you know, I talked about the things that I like about you, the fact that, um, you know, you like to make people smile and laugh. You said you're bossy, but in many ways, you're kind of like a sumo mediator. You're kind of like a bridge, <laughs> I think, for people. Is that something that you just naturally acquired as you know, you got older, Beth, or what is it about you that makes you kind of the person that sort of brings everybody together?
6: I kind of like to think of myself as somewhat of a fixer. It's both a really good thing and a really bad thing. Um, (laughs) When I worked uh, in my previous job, it was all victims of domestic violence and homeless and runaway youth. And the one thing that I figured out is that humor helps everything. The worst nightmare that you can think of to the happiest moment in the world. There is still humor in everything that brings everybody together. And I try to bring people together with humor. Um, I'm glad it works sometimes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's, that's fascinating what you did before. Those are heady topics and one that kind of make you gulp just a little bit. Uh, what, What was your takeaway from doing that kind of work?
6: That everyone everyone deserves a chance there is no one that should ever be left behind everyone has good things about them and everyone has bad things and everyone has a choice you just have to give them a choice
1: i like that answer i like everything you bring to the association so with that my final question has been kind of standard for these get to know the staff members of united soccer coaches and that is when you hear those three words what does it mean? So I'll say those three words again, United Soccer Coaches.
6: I love the word United. And I love the word soccer because believe it or not, in four years, I've become quite a fan. I'm, I learn more and more every day. It's like I just absorb this whole place and the coaches and that's our members. And so I love this whole United Soccer Coaches vibe that this place gives off and that our members give off. And I think I'll be here a while. All right, I really I love like it, it here.
1: I love it. You know, actually, we're going to end with this because uh, I often will shout out names when I sign off and I've worked your name in a few times. And one time I worked in your name and I said, you know, that's because she makes sure I get paid. And I kind of giggled because I giggled because you knew that it was much more than that. It was because you always make me laugh, but you know, you are important because you do make sure we get paid, Beth. So rest assured, rest assured. (laughs) We love that about you. You know that, right?
6: Oh yeah, and that's a really good part about the job too because (laughs) if I didn't have anyone to pay, I wouldn't be here.
1: Oh, so well said. Beth Sullivan, the Chief Financial Officer. I'm telling you folks, my face hurts right now because I'm smiling doing this interview. That's the kind of woman that she is. So glad that we get to put the spotlight on you, Beth. Thanks. I know this isn't your favorite thing to do, but you were great. Thanks for being on the podcast.
6: All right, peace out.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Peace out always works for me, as we say. Peace out to all of our big-time guests today, Al Albert, Jeff Finell, Steve Swanson, Anson Dorrance, and you just heard Beth Sullivan. I want to thank Bailey Conklin, Brandon Milburn, Erica Dyer, and all the great people at United Soccer Coaches. And I want to thank our producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them and all of you, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps.
0: Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.